commercial property with Rethink Investing. Australia's largest and most comprehensive podcast covering all things commercial investing. And we do cover all things commercial investing. Phil Tarrant, co-host of Inside Commercial Property with Scott O'Neill, director, founder, Rethink Investing. The most uh, popular and in-demand uh, person on the circuit these days, it would appear, around commercial property. You, you're booming, mate. Uh, the profile, I saw some piece on your uh, your internet the other day around all the stories that you've been in uh, this year, uh, you and your business partner, uh, celebrities, um, uh, making headlines, uh, you know, shaking up things. You like all that sort of stuff? Mate, you know I don't. <laughs> Look at you teasing me in normal. <laughs> no, it's... Uh, I don't know. It's been uh, busy, busy the last few months. Um, mm. But yeah, it's uh, it's good to be in a, an office seeing you face to face again, mate. I know. Just get better, don't I? <laughs> Fine wine. <laughs> yeah. How's your wing, by the way? We haven't spoken about that. You 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 heard it. I think we spoke about it last time we got together. I had a yarn. You're looking all right. Yeah. No. It's um. It's got a got a solid little scar there. Oh, he's that's, got a little band aid. Looks like his child's uh, put onto that's it. That's what yeah. the willow put it on. Yes. Yeah, yeah. This morning. So. No, that's all right. Yeah. It's just um. Yes, they cut the tendons mm. to get to the bone, so that's the bit that takes a while to, to get sorted. So the bone's all good now, yeah. Um, but yeah, they reckon uh, three to six months to uh, before you can get start back putting like it. real weight on it. Yeah, you know, so you look like a reasonable nick though. Like you know, you haven't piled on the kilos eating uh, kebabs and chico rolls while <laughs> you've been out out of uh, out of action. Oh, you can't do much upper body, but you still walk around and yeah. do all that stuff. But yeah, been uh, plenty of eating and drinking, mate. There's yeah. uh, not much else to There's do. There's not much else. Well, you know, this is not really a lifestyle and um, uh, body uh, podcast. We're here to talk about uh, commercial <laughs> property. That's why that's why you're tuning in, no doubt. So uh, welcome, everyone. Hope you're enjoying it. We've been at this now for, well, well, with Mark, two years? Would it be two years? It would be. I reckon this is our two-year anniversary. Yeah, it's... Um... It's got to be close, right? Because we kicked this off just as COVID really started to accelerate. I'm going to call it April or May of 2020, maybe. He's looking yeah, through his so phone now trying to, trying to work it out. Look at this on the flight seat. And, and you know, postscript um, uh, gives you some sense for the... Uh, this is not scripted. This is completely uncut, this, uh, this discussion I have with Scott O'Neill on... Oh, it doesn't even say property. how many episodes, but it said the first one was June 2020. June 2020. Well, not far off. So Right in the middle of COVID. June 2020. All right, we're going to have to uh, celebrate that with something uh, at a point in time. And I, I still remember that first episode where we were like, okay, what is commercial property? It was real 101 stuff, and it it feels as though we now have this uh, base-level understanding and appreciation. I think we've um, uh, been quite beneficial to the community in, in sort of you know raising awareness around commercial property as um, to augment or even to replace um, uh, investing activities from those people that normally sort of look at resi property, open their minds and their eyes, um, been quite considered in our commentary around it as we've sort of navigated uh, COVID-19 uh, as a nation. Here we are, Scott, in um, March uh, 2022, uh, recording the day after the federal budget was handed down. I'm j- jumping on a plane tomorrow uh, afternoon. I'll be heading down for the uh, opposition uh, response, uh, which is a an evening thing uh, where we'll hear what the opposition thinks about the budget. You're seeing some of that commentary coming out in the papers right now, uh, followed by the budget lunch uh, that we host here at uh, Momentum Media, which is um, around uh, the whole defence and national security space. And that was one area which got some runs on on the budget, again, outside the scope of this um, uh, chat. 
uh, however, it just makes me think, Scott, of all these type of things which impact markets and impact the way in which property investors, commercial investors uh, can build their portfolios and create wealth through commercial property. Um, we talk a lot about strategies and tactics and asset selection and you know, effective operation uh, and administration of, of commercial property. All that stuff's in your control. Um, that said, uh, as a commercial investor, there's a whole bunch of stuff out of your control. And uh, you could argue, because we are uh, one of the great democracies of the world and one of the pure democracies of the world, because everyone in Australia has to vote, so therefore you probably get a more realistic view of um, uh, who should be in power. We all get to choose who's in power, so I guess we have some control over that. But um, how the election plays out, what the policies are, etc., largely out of our control. Um, then we look at the environment that we're in right now, uh, Scott. We have um, you know, a European war. Uh, 100 years after the war that ended all wars um, back into it that just seems to be escalating uh, there's huge ramifications globally uh, in relation to the war in Ukraine uh, the sanctions posed on Russia uh, is having some impact we'll chat a little bit about that but one of the big headlines around it is uh, the rapid uh, increase in uh, fuel prices and again they've touched on that in the budget last night to try and alleviate and exacerbate that we still have the ongoing impact of COVID-19 what that means one of the key um, uh sort of downstream uh, issues for Australia with that is these ongoing supply chain issues. And we're seeing this massive hike in in the cost of materials. Uh, All of these, Scott, are a commercial property story because we're all interconnected and entwined within it. So these are the things out of your control. It's how you go about manoeuvring through them is what the best commercial investors do. Yeah, exactly. So like the big key themes we're seeing on the market is exactly what you said, supply chain issues. Um, that's reflected in build costs still going up, timeframes for building going up. Um, it's it's tough for anyone that's importing anything at the moment at, at the right rate. So cost of living is going up. So we're in this high inflation environment, add the fuel uh, restrictions across the world, pushing prices up. That's, that's a political thing. You know, they look like they're uh, going to adjust some certain things in budgets. Um, basically, it's cost more to move around. Um, also, all the floods that we've had across the East Coast, like we're seeing that's had impacts both for good and bad uh, with commercial, so we can go into that. Um, and also, yeah, basically just how uh, everyone's still adapting to investing in these markets. It's um, uh, like the post-COVID, and, and I, I say that word loosely, but um, post the Omicron um, surge is businesses because businesses got hurt in that surge because it was almost like when we're all allowed out it was an unofficial lockdown you know people actually didn't go out so small business suffered at that time mm. uh, particularly in places like Queensland you might see it in WA a little bit at the moment getting their first wave so that's um, we're coming out of the other side of that for many businesses you may see the CBD starting to pick up again so uh, it's a new environment um, for the positive overall in those areas, but mm. um, but yeah, there are some negatives as always. So you've got to be careful as a commercial investor to, to navigate it. Absolutely, and, and we'll, we'll chat briefly about the floods. Um, to your point, Scott, the, the sort of first round of COVID, if we, we think about that um, around this time two years ago, uh, the the head the headline sort of focus of that was on um, uh, the doctors and nurses on the front line. Uh, combating COVID at the time when there was a lot of uncertainty around what it all meant for Australia. Uh, they um, worked passionately through that period of time to, to support from the, the health uh, crisis. And then also, in a professional sense, um, 
accountants were the essentially the doctors and nurses for small business. Uh, they were there on the front line helping small business, helping business in Australia uh, uh, understand the stimulus package that were available to them and helping steering organisations through that. And not to get political, um, I, I would I would say, and universally I think most people would say, that was a good bit of policy that the government put in there too. Rather than then giving people welfare, they went, let's just keep Australians working, it's really, really good. This is a commercial property story, absolutely. The second sort of phase of, of COVID, and that's been the most recent one, which has been um, uh, the, the the spike and the shutdowns uh, in relation to the that latest outbreak. Um, we think the latter part of last year and the start of this year, uh, Scott, the headline sort of focus of that was really on the retail sector and impact on retail sectors, restaurants and all that sort of stuff. But sitting at the background of all of this is the supply chain that supports the nation. And supply chain is essentially, basic terms, stuff that people need to do things with and in a business sense. Um, uh, it would be beer that goes into pubs. It would be food and produce that goes into restaurants. It would be Giprock and sheet metal and cement that goes into building stuff. So this is the big part of our economy is getting this stuff moved around, taking it from A to B, getting into the nation, warehousing it and pushing it out to those people that need it. It's a commercial property story. So these are all the things working in, in unison as we speak right now, which are impacting how you should be thinking about and going about investing in commercial property. Scott, to go quickly to the budget, um, they always like doing is winners and losers of the budget and whether or not and, and start thinking about this as I sort of uh, go through a bit of this um, whether or not commercial property investors are winners or losers in the budget one of the big winners are motorists um, you all know this if you've been tuning in with it that the government's going to just um, reduce some of those sort of fuel excise levies to try and bring the price down so essentially the government's going to take a haircut because they're going to take less tax on, on, on fuel trying to keep the price the same taxpayers sort of uh, lower middle income people they're going to get some breaks and stuff that's all pretty cool uh, women winners in the budget which is great and also blokes I think around paid maternity they've had to rethink about uh, that regional Australia uh, winners uh, in the budget uh, they're talking about sort of um, new energy security and regional development plans money going into that so look out for commercial property in those regional and rural areas potentially um, some welfare recipient sort of um, they're, they're up in the game on everything first home buyers um, again up in the game stimulus to try and get them um, uh, into property earlier sooner uh, with less requirements around um, how much deposit they need whether they're couples or, or um, single parents mental health one of the winners of the budget cyber spying uh, I think we spoke about it last time with this stuff going on in Ukraine um, the, the, the PM warned about cyber influence um, cyber reprisals from uh, Russia that's a big part that it's going to be um, looking into losers tax evasers uh, losers draft B retailers i.e. commercial property, uh, loses wages. So you can go and look at all this stuff online. Um, but this is, yeah, a lot of people with the budget, they just go, oh, I just find it so confusing. Does it really mean anything? They're just promises and they don't normally happen. Maybe, maybe not. Um, is commercial property winners or losers in the budget, Scott? Look, I'm, I'm going to be pretty on the fence with it. Like all that stuff is fairly benign for, for commercial property. Like there's, there's no big winner out there. Like I, I think, commercials kind of it's kind of getting pushed along by the general economy a lot more than as you said potential promises um, for either side of government um, there's no major uh, thing in there that's just going to add value to a commercial property or um, 
nothing material at least. There might be some um, sentiment directions caused by some of that, some of that but um, things like increased budget spending will help towns that rely on defence spending, you know, so maybe some of those northern towns like Darwin and Townsville, that could uh, see some beneficiaries of that. Um, it's, uh, you know, things about sort of cost of living and all that, like inflation is going to be one of the great themes of the next half decade, I think. And um, that's going to be really good for commercial investors. Like, yes, it's going to be bad on the side that interest rates might go up slightly, but uh, your rents are going to go up before that happens as well because CPI is going through the roof. Like, I, I looked at the numbers of Perth CPI. Uh, year on year, it's 5.7% according to uh, whatever website I've Googled this morning. So 5.7%, if you've got a CPI increase in your rent, you've immediately got 5.7% more rent. So that's that's pretty huge. You know? It's going to be a lot more than any you know, marginal increases in interest rates, right? Yeah, like if, if your debt's 70% and your interest rate goes up half, you know, a quarter of a percent, but your rent's gone up 5%, you know, and that's you know, to do with 100% of the asset, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's almost a different ratio of, uh, of increase. So, yeah, you, you will benefit more from uh, increased rents than the cost of it going up, I think. Um, inflation just has to keep going up. So if its interest rates are changing for different reasons, that's probably a more of a concern. But it's um, yeah, there's no real big uh, surprises in that budget. I think uh, I think the theme is it's still going to be a place where people have cheap money to spend, um, and there's not many good places to put it in this economy. And mm. the budget's not going to change where you put your money, other than. Uh, you know, there's going to be some winners or losers. Some people will feel like they've got less, um, but um, yeah, like tax evaders and stuff like that. That you know, depending if they play around with structures of entities putting on property, you know, sharing uh, discretionary income, all that kind of stuff might have tiny little impacts. But it's all fringe stuff. Yeah, it is all fringe stuff. So be across, be aware of all of this, but don't get too absorbed in it. Um, uh, these are just. You know, their, their ideas, their policies that should convert into action should the current government stay where they are right now. And um, I, I'm of the understanding that there should be a date announced um, pretty soon for uh, the actual federal election. So we're going to be in overdrive now between this period of the budget being handed out and election. There's going to be a lot of politicking out there, uh, both sides um, and, and, and all um, MPs, senators out there doing what they do, trying to keep themselves in a job. Um, how it plays out, who knows? Uh, I'll, I'll have some sort of feedback when I come back from Canberra later on this week to see what the the opposition uh, is up to. But you look at these factors, Scott, which are shaping decision making, commercial property, and you know how um, events that are happening tens of thousands of kilometres away are impacting Australia at a very practical level and a very visible level and universally impacting them. And by that, I'm talking about um, petrol prices uh, as, a, as a result of the war in Ukraine. What happens there? Who knows? Um, if, if you're not too up to speed with it, I, I suggest you just have a nose around. There's some good commentary around it. Um, my view of it, the, the, the Ukraine situation, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, there's a number of different ways it's going to play out. Um, either Russia will be victorious and, and achieve their aims but no one yet really understands what those true aims are. Uh, it's either going to bog down into the quagmire or say the quagmire that is right now akin to uh, Russia's uh, intervention into Afghanistan in the 80s. It's probably what they don't want. Uh, the Ukrainians might be victorious. Who knows? Um, the most likely outcome is not going to be, well it's going to be a negotiated peace but I think it would just be some level of uh, Ukraine um, um, sort of 
independence, some sort of Ukraine neutrality uh, akin to what um, uh, Sweden and Switzerland are. Uh, Russia just doesn't want to have NATO on their doorstep. Um, and do yourself a favor. And I think back, Scott, I don't know if you did this. Uh, uh, I remember it vividly. Um, I think it was year seven geography where they said, uh, get a bit of tracing paper, uh, get a, get a, Remember the old atlas she said have at school, and they said trace trace around Australia on tracing paper. Now put that over Europe. And I remember like going, wow, like you know Australia, like you can fit Europe inside of Australia from you know Ireland all the way through um, uh, into the to the then Soviet Union. Uh, it, it's a you know Australia is a big place, but Ukraine is one of the largest countries. Uh, globally, um, particularly one of the largest in Europe. So this thing's not going to end, but how and what impact that has on commercial property. Now, you can look into this and whether or not you should be going this deep. Fuel prices are increasing, which means that things are going to get more expensive because it takes longer and will be more expensive to move stuff around. So we talk logistics here, trucks, couriers, all this sort of stuff. Should you be concerned about the viability of your commercial tenants who may be squeezed in terms of margins, may be squeezed in terms of jobs, may be squeezed in terms of their ability to meet their their requirements as a result of these type of factors or movements? It's yeah, it's a very deep question because there's many layers to it because the although like logistics, uh, everything that's happened in the last few years has really helped industrial properties. It's been COVID has been very kind to anyone that owns an industrial property. Uh, it's just because there's more online sales and there's more storage. The supply chains are more inconsistent. So when people purchase things, they purchase larger quantities of them, store them for longer because they don't want to regularly buy and the cost of a shipping container has gone up. So that means you've got to order uh, you know, more or less depending on how your, your business is structured. But um, the building costs have gone up too. So they're not building as much stuff because developers' margins weren't there. So you know, the, the the general result on the ground is industrial vacancy rates have dropped to almost their lowest ever level. So we're seeing rent growth. So it is helping all this stuff. And now how would fuel impact all this? The cost of outer suburb industrial properties further from your logistics hubs might be less valuable. Um, your inner city or the ones next to the airport or marine port are going to be more valuable. So distance or um, distance to the actual customer is going to be just so much more important um again look with how long will this fuel issue last you know not too sure but looks like it's not going away in a hurry but well, well it looks like, like the government's going to fix it just by taking a haircut on on the tax exercise to make it at least a bit affordable to try and combat some inflation and, and, and value but it's not it's look, this issue with ukraine ain't going away quickly no and, and like you said there's a few different potential results of this war and uh, none of them seem fast you know mm. like if, if it just bogs down into the quagmire as you mentioned this could drag out for a, who knows um you know there, there's there's people that you know making decisions over there that normal people can't predict so mm. this this could go on for quite a while and and yeah there's there's almost a bit of a decentralization in this globe happening at the moment so company or countries are looking within themselves to be more self-sustainable, like this opening of the economy or the world, which has been one of the results of the last 10 or 20 years, seems to revert, reverse quite quickly. Um, you know, the likes of China, for instance, uh, you know, with Australia, like relationships aren't as good as they were. And like politically, that's sort of what many countries are doing. Um, 
because it's popular with the voter base, I guess. And mm. even our state borders all getting closed up and it was proven to be quite popular. Like I think 75% of odd people liked that and 25% didn't. So decentralization is a key thing for commercial property because um, it, uh, it, it's restricting the flow of people. People are sitting at home longer, working from home. They're not, um, you know, especially when COVID was doing the rounds, they weren't they weren't going out and shopping as much in their local stores. Um, so, yeah, it's been fascinating for commercial property. But um, people, because they haven't been having as much downtime or leisure time with holidays and that, they seem like they're prioritising investing capital and mm. maybe sorting out their income because their job security wasn't going to be there as much. So, yeah, a lot, a lot has been... A lot of unpredictable things have happened. I, I would have thought from from all of this. Yeah, so. and this is this is really where international relations, globalizations, global economies um, uh, intersect with, you know, nationhood uh, intersects with um, uh, Australia, and, and and what does that mean for for wealth creation and making the right you know investment decisions around commercial property, which this is. And you, you mentioned a point there. Um, you know this reversal. Look at look what happened with Brexit. Uh, the, the Poms have gone. Yeah, we want to be part of Europe. They've had a relationship, a formal relationship with Europe for for many many years, and they've pretty much voted. They go, yeah, you know what? We sort of just want to sort of nick back over here. We've got this big ditch in between Europe, and we just want to sort of hang out amongst ourselves now and and, and try and find other markets. And they've obviously looked a lot closer towards um their, their natural um, relationships with Australia and. And the U.S., we have this new AUKUS arrangement, which is a more than just a defence and security arrangement; it's something much more. Um, but this point you mentioned, Scott, around um, and again, I'm just thinking on you know all these things and how they work out. But what does it mean for commercial property? And you're probably not going to get this sort of commentary elsewhere. Um, this is quite sort of specific to this show, but um, you, you might have heard of this this notion of um, sovereign industrial capability, uh, critical infrastructure, and, and, and the budget, you know, they've, they've ponied up the Australian Signals Directorate, um, they've, the government is sort of channeling uh, quite a lot of money into beefing that up, and, you know, it's one of the five domains of warfare, you've got air, land, sea, space, and cyber, right, and they're pretty much going, well, cyber is the tether, it's the connectivity for all of Australia right now, and again, it has supply chain ramifications. Then again, it has commercial ramifications. But this notion of sovereign industrial capability, which is the concept, and it should be part of your investment decision making, which is part of the concept of saying Australia should be self-sustainable. Australia should be able to sort itself out, irrespective of what's happening around the world in its sphere of influence, in particular Indo-Pacific, but wider and globally in Ukraine. Australia is participating in supporting Ukraine through through cyber um, talent and capabilities, but what does that mean for how Australia moves on as a nation? And and what I what I feel as though it means is that, um, and and I'll preface this with I think there's a universal understanding of both sides of politics of the need for this. So they're actually on the same page saying we need to think about Australia first. So we need to think about Australia first. We need to channel money into making sure that we can make the things that we need to make in order for us to look after ourselves, which is good potentially for advanced manufacturing. Uh, in Australia, which is good potentially for where that happens, and that happens in commercial premises. So, commercial property is intrinsically linked with this notion and this concept around sovereign industrial capability and critical infrastructure. Just last week, Scott, um, the Prime Minister um, uh, 
was there to open a new cybersecurity centre in Ride here, which is essentially it's sovereign, as in Australia owns it. It means that these are our, imagine a server, okay? Imagine like a million of them all wired together with wires. That there is a critical infrastructure. That is part of um, uh, the process for driving Australia forward moving forward. That's a commercial property it lives in, and everything connected in with that is commercially orientated. So this is his intersection, sovereign industrial capabilities and commercial property. Are you seeing anyone even sort of contemplating that yet, thinking sort of 5, 10, 20, 30 years ahead in terms of the sort of commercial assets we're going to need and what you should be investing in? Look, um, to a degree, yes. Um, but look, Australians, I find like a lot of my um, Asian market clients, so, so we've got a lot of people from, say, Singapore, Hong Kong, investing in Australia, um, more and more by, by the week, it seems. And they think differently. They're, they're much more long-term than for us. Like, so they like things like agriculture land, um, data centres. Um, you mentioned something uh, uh, before when we got on today, like uh, things like regional areas where they, they might introduce Starlink, for instance, where they've got better internet ca- capabilities in regional areas. And um, and all of a sudden, I don't, I don't know what it is, but uh, a lot of those uh, particularly Asian um, continent-type clients are considering regional areas. Normally, they're just CBD-type mm. markets. Um, but they're, they're obviously seeing um, non-CBD markets as a really good option these days. So... These are all in, in responses to some of these themes you've mentioned. But, um, but yeah, look, local manufacturing is coming back online in Australia. And it, it's a good thing because I don't think anyone likes seeing the likes of Holden and Ford and all that just exiting because that would have been a weakness for, you know, the manufacturing sectors of, you know, Adelaide, Geelong areas. You know, they left these big voids in the economy. Yeah. And um, one of the things the government's trying to do is replace them with more techie-type jobs. And... Um, and that's really good news for commercial investors because you don't want the industrial areas of the world to become like parts of Eastern Europe after the Cold War where there's just big vacant warehouses and ghost suburbs and stuff like that. Um, it hasn't really happened in Australia because it's been replaced quite well. And um, But local manufacturing is probably the biggest theme. And like you said, it might be more high-end type manufacturing, but mm. um, it's it's good for local jobs. It's good for wage growth it's good for um vacancy rate so you know it's basically just increasing gdp it's increasing gdp and, and this is a repurposing you're seeing of these sort of more traditional manufacturing areas for large-scale manufacturing right um the holden plan for example um you know the state governments are looking to attract lobbying they're trying to attract uh, both large businesses and government spending into these areas fisherman's bend for example will be one of those uh, case studies Osborne, the shipbuilding facility there, like all the states fight for this dollars so they can build out these local um, uh, manufacturing capabilities, which again is a commercial story. Like everything comes back to commercial and it's nice to actually sort of just keep pulling on that string and actually understanding like all these different areas you mentioned and, and they're coming in the budget. Um, uh, the government is is going to pony up more money into regional spending. Uh, more Australians have now realised that uh, that region of Australia is a good place to be. It's been accelerated, I think, uh, uh, through the COVID pandemic and to what you spoke about. You know, the fact that high-speed internet is now available in these areas is a game changer. You know, it's cheaper to live there, cheaper to buy housing. Your money goes further. You've got happy punters, uh, happy workers, right? Again, it's a commercial story. Yeah, and, and that's one of the great opportunities we've seen for Outlook and, and helped our clients into. So, you know, at Rethink Investing, we're very 
wary that quality is is the number one factor when it comes to commercial property. You don't just go somewhere because it's cheap or because the yield's great. That's the, you know, it's one of the the greatest mistakes you can make. You got to get a good, reliable yield, something that could be retenanted, something that's going to be relevant for a long time. And regional areas, um, especially major regional centres, have been, you know, shunned over the years in terms of, you know, they've been out of sight, out of mind. And, and now there is actually disparity between the prices in the city versus what you can get in regional areas. So the yields are still very good. So there's value for investors. And as the investors are seeing these value, they're, they're pushing prices up. So we're seeing rapid capital growth in these markets. But the stability of tenants is often greater as well because there's less supply, there's less competition um, from you know developments, new stuff coming up. Um, you know, I, I think it's a really good opportunity, and now that there's better infrastructure and more support for regional areas, and um, and more buy-in just from the average punter who wants to live there now, not mm. having to live in the CBD and think that's the only place to live your life. Um, yeah, there, there's massive opportunity, and yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of good quality regional areas from a commercial point. And, and that's a key point, good quality regional areas. As we speak today, uh, Scott, we just had another significant weather event on the east coast of Australia. Saw some pictures of Byron Bay, the, the main drag of Byron Bay, underwater. Or, again, it's a commercial story. All of those SMEs, fish and chip shops, boutiques, I don't know, the fancy places you probably go shopping. Uh, again, uh, huge um, uh, warnings for, for Lismore, which just got battered a couple of weeks ago. Um, the, the you know We've all seen the pictures of, of the high street there of you know water levels up to the awnings of, of first story. Like, again, it's a commercial story. So... You've got to make sure you're, you're buying the right stuff when you're looking to invest in regional towns because these weather events have been happening. They will continue to happen. Uh, Australia is the land of extremes, droughts yeah. and flooding rains and all this sort of stuff. Uh, to channel that great poem that we all learned as kids. Um, so yes to regional areas, but buy beware. Yeah, and, and sort of double down on that flooding point. So. All these councils have one in a hundred year event maps out there, and they're very, very good maps. Like they, they tell you to the millimetre or you know close to where the floods went to. But that one in a hundred year event seems to happen one every ten years at the moment, um, just with what we've seen. So, I guess what people are doing is once they, and I saw this just before the recent floods this year, that a lot of people were starting to ignore the say the Brisbane one in a hundred year flood event because yeah it was 2011 since the last one happened you know this era of new investors probably didn't remember it or it was a very distant memory so they started buying um you know talking about commercial property shop fronts and industrial properties in flood zones because a lot of industrial properties are in flood zones because it's cheaper larger land and you know um and tenants were happy to rent them but now they've just got smashed again you know up to the awnings and the flooded properties all of a sudden, which were starting to catch up to the value of a non-flooded property, that's reversed because no insurance company wants to touch it anymore. The cost for the tenant to pay the insurance, because remember, um, tenants pay building insurance for the landlord. It's now more expensive for them to live. And you know, if they're only getting a tiny benefit on the square meter rate to live in a flood zone or rent in a flood zone, why would they want to do it? Mm. So now there's a two-speed market back. So the flood-free properties, uh, more in demand than they've ever been because there's all these displaced tenants trying to get into the non-flood property because the last thing they want to do is disrupt their business again and go through the clean-up and throw out stock. It's a horrible, horrible situation for any business or, or person to be in. Um, so why would you want to potentially risk that again? Because this one-in-a-hundred-year event could happen next year again. Like, it's just 
who knows what's going to happen. But uh, no, places like Gympie went right under. Um, places like Lismore, you mentioned. So imagine you're looking to buy a commercial property and it's in a 20% flood zone. Well, you probably couldn't even get finance for it anymore. So, mm. so the non-flooded properties will see a boost. And that's why at the start of this program, I said good and bad for flood. Um, yes, it's overall bad, but if you own or are targeting a non-flood property, you're probably going to actually have some displaced tenants wanting it more than they once were, you know, three months ago. They, they weren't thinking about moving. Now they are. And then uh, if you unfortunately ignored the flood line um, and bought in a severe flood area, uh, it's it's going to be harder moving forward. Um, and just be careful, not all zoned flood areas actually flood with the council tour, you know, because there are some factors of safety they often put onto the um, flood maps as well. So, And sometimes large parcel of land might only have a portion of it flood. So, you know, you've just got to look into the flood zones quite carefully because it will have a big impact on your relatability of the property, your revaluing of the property and yeah, all of the above. It, it will it will change the outcome now mm. more than ever. So there's a, you know, thanks for joining us. We sort of navigated that discussion around all of these things that you, as a commercial property investor, you cannot control. Conflict in Ukraine, fuel price hikes, COVID-19, floods, elections, budgets, uh, all this sort of stuff. But uh, how you choose to use that information um, to make tactical and strategic decisions is is what it's all about. And this all comes back to the market level, right? You know, where should you deploy your money today to get the outcome that you want? And most commercial property investors I know want yield and capital growth. Um, there's a misnomer, and I think we probably spoke about it really early on in, in this series, Scott, where um, this perception that you invest in commercial property just for yield, you don't get capital growth in yield. I think we've pretty much sort of quashed that. Um, so... That's what most people want, but where do you deploy money at any point in time? So this market today, Scott, let's quickly go around the grounds uh, while I've got you here. Um, give me some sort of 101, what are you seeing in these different areas? Uh, let's start down in Tasmania. Good for commercial property. Yep, one of the uh, beneficiaries of COVID and um, just this whole, I guess, theme about that that strong regional centre, that's Tasmania to a T. Um and that's just not home, but it's a place like Burnie. It's like a, you talk about defence, it's a big defence sort of thing in Burnie. Burnie's a place we, we, we targeted many times. Over, like, it's very low stock market. So, mm-hmm. especially when you talk commercial, it's not like there's a hundred to choose from. Like, you might get one or two per month or per six months come up. Um, Launceston, Hobart, um, Davenport, these are, these are all good centres. Um, very stable markets, but they are on the growth phase. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of people from Melbourne move there uh, early on, you know, get out of the, the long lockdown situations they were in, get a bit of land, you know, while they're out there, go visit your cafe, the local cafe do, does better, the local supermarkets trade go up. Everything sort of um, has been pretty healthy in those markets. As a result of that, yields have dropped, been a lot of capital growth. Um, you know, a lot of the leases down there are sort of fixed 3%. So, you know, as CPI grows, rents are going to fall behind. So there might be some adjustments in, you know, through market reviews and that pushing rents higher. So yields can be quite low down there, relatively, as well. Mm. Like, you know, you can get into the 4%, but generally, you know, we're sort of around 6 7%, maybe just over type yields. So they're good numbers, you know, across the country. But uh, it's a pretty hard-fought property down there because there's generally a lot of others on it. So yeah. such low stock, that's the problem. Not many people want to sell down there because why would you? It's doing well, tenants are paying. So it's okay to 
pay a small premium on the way in because of the longevity you think in the investment. Yeah, and, and I think that's the theme with any good investment at the moment. Like we, uh, you know, it, it's a growth phase. So it's like buying in Sydney or Melbourne when it's booming. You might chuck the extra 20, 30, 50 grand at it um, because you know it's uh, a good long term hold. But with commercial, you just got to be careful with that because, like we've said it previously, there's a lot of, there is a two speed market. Like when you go to those auctions, and we won't name the company names, but they will. They will sell stuff 30, 40, 50% higher than what it's really worth. And people are lining up. Like there might be 10 backup buyers. And you might say, oh, that's that's what it's worth because that's what someone wants to pay for it. Well, you can buy them through uh, other methods a lot cheaper. So, you know, I guess maybe we're buying it under market if you're doing it that. But, uh, you know, like the child cares, your servos, like a server, service station selling at a 3 or 4% yield. Like, Mm-hmm. Like I don't understand that as an investor because you can get a six percent yield for a, an asset that can be easily relet with probably more capital growth on it um, and less long term risk because fuels potentially not going to be as a prominent as yeah. a, you know in in ten years time. So yeah, Tassie strong market um, sort of absorbed a bit of the weakness that Melbourne faced last year, um, but Melbourne's on the way back too. There's well, a, let's chat about. It. Let's go north and then clockwise Melbourne, which which. People are calling the resi the, the residential boom is over. Uh, whether or not Melbourne got the boom, um, uh, so that's all said and done. Commercial property. Um, so Melbourne yields, you know, they can. I've seen some like streets, uh, you know, some some of those kind of main road shop fronts sell at sub two percent net yield. So Melbourne historically has the lowest yields in the country, and that's one of the reasons why. I've invested there less than anywhere else in the country with, mm. with my clients. We we like good yields, and Melbourne has a culture of accepting lower yields. And I think it stems just from it's a culture thing. So there's less less renters, even in the resi markets. People are programmed to think, go buy your house, renting dead money. Like Sydney's renting is just a way of life for, for many forever. For um, most, yeah. For most now. And um, But Melbourne's now catching up to that theme. But... Yeah, you, you don't rent, you buy in Melbourne more so. And I'm generalising, of course, there's thousands of millions of exceptions to this, but that's more of a theme we see down there. And that contributes to people paying more than renting, you know. So yields are quite low. Um, you can get as high as, say, 5% down there, but it's probably a bit of a sketchy 5%, like fringe industrial property. There might be some land out there where they're going to build another thousand sheds. So you've got to be careful with a high yield in Melbourne because supply will be your... Your, your risk relaying, okay. um, and as you go north of that, so uh, look, you've got all your regional um, Victorian places like Ballarat, Bendigo, Shepparton's, and that sort of joint. Yeah, great yeah. place to invest. Uh, they've got yeah, concessions on discount, but they're hardly for properties too. Mm-hmm. So you know, we we bought you know like a row of shop fronts in Ballarat. We got that at a, about a, just under six percent net yield, but then they sold one down the road at four point nine. So the market was compressing under our feet as we, we saw that. And compression, remember, it's just people are uh, paying more, so the yields are lower. So that's capital growth. Mm. Um, but yeah, if you can get a good yield in those areas, they are going to be stable. It's a good quality market. Just got to be wary of future DAs. Like, So if you go buy a childcare in Bendigo, you just want to look onto the online development portals, make sure they're not planning another three, three to stick in there because um, development will always be a, a potential risk for an area like that if it's doing mm-hmm. well. Capital growth builds in builders' margins. Remember that as prices grow, so does the resale value. So there's more reason for people to build as markets grow. 
Um, similar theme, I've always found the New South Wales towns a little bit slower than the regional cities. Like they're, it's maybe because they're spread out more or I don't know, maybe there's more of a focus on Sydney, but um, they're, they're a little bit smaller in general until you get to the likes of Wollongong. Wollongong yields are very sharp. Um, mm. That's Sydney money, basically. Yeah. And, um, Same with the Central Coast. It's, exactly. Yeah, it's Central all... Coast, Newcastle. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll get we'll get to that. So let, let's go clockwise. So the Radelaide and uh, the surrounds, you know, um, uh, diverse economies down there, but, you know, driven yep. big defence economy, viticulture down that way. Again, all commercial stories. Um, what do you think of Adelaide? So I, I started investing in Adelaide in 2015. Mm. Back then, it was viewed pretty risky to go into industrial you know it was uh, you know oh, the, the local manufacturing is coming off vacancy rates are increasing like it was a there were very good yields back then um but now it's it's very tight like it's it's a very strong market there and um yields are probably on average for us probably five and a half to six net now that's no stamp duty if there's commercial property there so you, you get normally a 0.2 or 0.3 benefit so a a, you know, a 5.7 net yield in Adelaide is really a 6% for Queensland or WA because you don't have to cover that extra cost of stamp duty, so that's good. Um, but yeah, tight vacancy rate. Um, shops down there are quite strong. Not much supply risk versus other parts of the country, so good market. Um, you know, probably look at 5 to 6% as your, as your yield range for the average decent asset. Now going to Perth... Um, Big fan of Perth, like that's becoming, our, it's our second most prominent market to invest in um, behind Brisbane. So let's just do a real quick summation on this, a spoiler alert, we're, we're considering, I'm considering a, a purchase out there, which we're going to get into next time myself and Scott get together. So we'll, we'll double down on Perth then, but just give me just top line. Perth market, the economy has been very strong from basically uh, all, all the benefits of the mining boom, the, the amount of money they got in the coffers up there is quite strong. A lot of infrastructure spending, borders have just opened, COVID didn't really hurt that market. Um, mm. You know, there's, so retail is strong over there. Um, you're coming off a very low base. This is why I like it, because I'm, I'm quite a, I'm an investor that likes playing the cycles. I want to get in early in the cycle and ride it up. You know, I don't. I never liked getting in too late because you've missed the boat. So that's why, you know, somewhere like Melbourne, I might feel like I've missed the boat a bit because ten years ago was a great time. Um, mm. Ten years ago, Perth was worth more than what it is today. So you're getting in at a discount, and um, the average income up there is higher than Sydney and Melbourne. The vacancy rates are t- like tight. The the resi market's firing. So there's a wealth effect getting created from the ground up there and uh, now that borders are open there's more people that can come in they're desperately needing more workers mm-hmm. um, like we've bought things like you know some child cares and stuff and, and they can't even get workers up there so that like they're in desperate need for people more than they've ever been and, and that if, if depending on what policies are announced if that brings more people in town like they're just going to get absorbed immediately and they're going to be extra people in the economy spending money um but you are, I'm seeing rents quite cheap per square metre. So remember, one of the ways to value a commercial property is is the rent value. And if the rents are too cheap and you know there's room for rent growth, that's future capital growth as well. So you can go buy an industrial property, a really good quality one renting for 100 bucks a square metre. That same property in Brisbane might be 150 a square metre. So there's a 50% difference in price between two equally sized cities. One's just a little bit probably 
been hit a little bit harder be- from growth because it's proximity to Sydney or maybe there's you know, many factors why they're, they're different cycles. But um, there's room for more growth. That's the key message. So if you're buying something that's got uh, you know, under-rented, the price is a cheap per square metre, you're buying below replacement costs potentially, it's just got all the sorts of recipes for future capital growth. And um, I know your residential buyers agents you speak to, a lot of them are active in that market as well. Like all these experts are seeing this market as a, you know, as a, as a yeah, a really good option. And I listened to a podcast, one of your guys, um, you know, who lives there, who specialises in uh, residential, was talking about all the different mines that are operating over there and different, um, yeah, there's just many layers to that economy that, to me, shows it's early on in the growth cycle. So, okay. um, two years ago, didn't like it. Now we do. Okay. Um, well, we'll get into that next time we get together. Darwin, Palmerston, thoughts? So, this is one of those gray areas for me because it's just an area we haven't invested much in. And I think because we're like, it doesn't mean it's it's been a bad one. Look, it's, it's almost like a similar trajectory to to Perth like it, it was worth a lot more and then it dropped a lot there mm. was a lot of apartments they built but it's um, from a commercial point of view it's very low stock so um, it's been out of sight out of mind for us to a degree but yields are pretty good um, but it's a local economy that will benefit from defence spending and uh, all of the above up there but um, I still just feel like it's a little bit out of my personal comfort zone but mm. um but yeah, it'll be something we'll be looking more into over the next twelve months. Yeah, I must admit, I'm very, very much the same. And uh, I was up there a month ago. Um, I hadn't been to Darwin for twenty-seven years, and it was good to actually go and put boots on the ground and have a good nose around and, and get a sense for the place. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, it's been out of sight, out of mind. So um, yeah, consider it. It's yeah. um, do a trip up there. It's a great place to visit, by the way. Um, go and see Crocosaurus or somewhere other there on Mitchell, big crocodile or whatever it is, but uh, Kakadu and all that sort of stuff is good. But lots happening um, in terms of um, uh, business up there, particularly uh, connecting with the defence and national security sector. You've got you know, the Marines there, sort of US Marines doing a lot more. That's going to grow over time. So a um, uh, place to watch, uh, Queensland, Brisbane. Um, and then you've got sort of outer, sort of more regional areas from Ipswich to Woomba to yeah. Rockhampton, Cairns, Townsville. Thoughts? Yeah, so North Queensland, it's going very strong. Like Cairns is a much more tourist city than Townsville. So Tan- Cairns has some weakness, but it is um, it's coming back online. That um, On a commercial front, if you buy a property in Cairns, you want it to be supported by the local economy, not the tourist sector, I feel. And there's plenty of examples of that. Like, you know, a local supermarket in a suburb has been going very well through those uh, through those markets. Yields mm. are still good, which is an opportunity for an investor. They're not much, they're not building much because you're buying below replacement costs in most cases. Um, Townsville is a similar theme, except there's um, it's more of a worker city. It's bigger. I'm a big fan of Townsville. We, we we're very active in that market. Always buying off market in that market because online stuff has a lot of uh, you know a lot of attacks from other buyers, so you end up paying more. So. That market is um, again a below replacement cost market. Um, you know, we, we bought a larger one the other day, which had about six thousand square meters of industrial sheds, and we bought it forty percent below market value. So until values increase forty percent in that example, mm. there'd be no competing stock for that property. So 
it's and that's not even including land price as well so there's room for that market to grow um, that ha- that market suffered in 2019 when they had the cyclone up there so some retail shops in flood zones have taken quite a while to fill up there but non-flood uh, centres are they're the first to get filled as well so retail is getting strong in that market um, office market in a you know it's there's not huge amounts of office to be honest but just suburban offices all doing uh, much better than it was 12 months ago yields are compressing quickly as a result a lot mm. of investors as you go south um, places like Rockhampton and um, you know like yeah no just south of that you're looking similar themes there's just a lot more investors coming from southeast Queensland up to those markets because they're like well the yields are relatively strong very stable economies you know backed by agriculture and just good strong local fundamentals like healthcare and service industry jobs and uh, yields are, are, are yeah there's really good value there so I think there'll be great capital growth for the likes of those cities as mm-hmm. well um, because southern money is coming harder than it ever has to push prices up and that theme won't stop this year mm-hmm. southeast Queensland we all know this market it's you know got the Olympics in 10 years time they're bringing forward lots of infrastructure jobs but the yields are getting so sharp for some properties there, it's almost like Sydney and Melbourne. Like I'm seeing some industrial in Brisbane sell at low fours, 4% net yields, which is, for me, so sharp. Like it, um, But that's what investors are seeing. They're seeing it, it's a capital growth asset more than anything now. And commercial property is a store of wealth. It's not just there for cash flow. It's... Um, you know, it's, it's just like a Bitcoin. You think, you know, it might be worth longer than, you know, more money in 10 years' time. Like, commercial is a store of wealth, and as m- the value of currency devalues, places like an inner city, Brisbane Industrial, will forever hold its value because mm. it's just, it's quality, and um, and it will be relet. So yields are going to get very sharp there. Yeah. I'm conscious also, and, and talking about maps and school atlases and stuff, um, uh it's Melbourne is closer to Brisbane than what Cairns is to Brisbane, right? Like, it's a big place, you know, and, and, and sort of flippantly sort of talking about those different markets, you're talking thousands of kilometres, right? Yeah. Like, it's it's a it's a big old joint and they are genuine micro-economies, each of those, those regional areas that you've spoken about. They are truly independent, connected in the great state of Queensland, but, um, yeah, they all have their, their absolutely their own nuances. So. Yeah. Well, have a think about how far do you think Cairns and Townsville are on a map and just Google it, drive time. It, it will shock you because mm. you think they're next to each other um, <laughs> on a map, but there's a yeah. – have a Google it. Have good. you driven it? You've driven it? No, yeah. no. I've, uh, do you know what we should do one day? We, we, should do a, we should do a road trip one day of uh, Queensland uh, regional areas, yeah. commercial property commercial property tour. Uh, check out all the good pubs, Drink Forex, all that Plenty good stuff. Plenty pubs up there. Yeah. yeah. Um, New South Wales, Sydney – uh, and and the regional markets, regional market. I, I think you got to to your point. You got to club in. Um, yeah, the, the dynamics are so similar these days. Uh, Wollongong or, or the Illawarra, and all that. Also, the Central Coast is sort of all sort of metropolitan. Greater Sydney, Greater it? Sydney, and then you have got your big regional centres go out west. You know, Katoomba, Bathurst, Orange, yeah. Mudgee, well, uh, go north. I see. Look, my opinion of Sydney is. I think it's probably got more risk in the market than anywhere because it's mm-hmm. just so frothy it's 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 a very high priced market like they i saw um there was one in double bay it was 353 or 56 square meters it sold for nearly 21 million dollars what um, retail 
It was just retail. It had um, it was like on a main road, and you could build four stories. Twenty one million. Twenty one. And I'm thinking twenty one million. I can buy an entire massive. You could buy all of Townsville. Center. Yeah, you, you could literally <laughs> buy a few high rises. Yeah. And <laughs> probably the marina while you're at it. Yeah. So there's um, it, like that was that was a yeah. The, it's a different market, and, yeah. and for me, I feel like that's just someone who's just got unlimited money parking it up. Cash and, buyer. Yeah, has to be because no bank would support that valuation. That's generational cash buyer, isn't it? You know, yeah. just park the money there and put a boutique there. And being double bay, there's probably a double bay, double pay of old money just yeah, trying to splash it around. Yeah, you need to do it. Yeah. Mm. So they, look, those those super high price markets, I think um, they're not the every everyday punter playing in them, and they probably run their own rules. But mm. um, yeah, look, I I just think that that could drop to say. 18 million very quick but uh, the markets we're talking about where yields still stack up you're buying at all the right fundamentals there's there's a lot more wealth potential in those markets for sure it's good well scott i look forward to getting together uh next uh month for inside commercial property where we'll kind of do a proper breakdown um of an asset that um that we're currently considering so uh we should know then what we choose to do with it at the moment we're sort of in the middle of uh uh, negotiations with it so I look forward to that that sounds really cool uh, check in and if you haven't listened to the, the first couple of chats we had about this is, is um, myself sharing uh, a journey um, buying a commercial property uh, using the good people over at Rethink Investing I've sort of chosen a price point which is you know the median if it was a bell curve the sort of stuff that most property investors who are looking at commercial property would be operating within so I've chosen an asset um, sort of price point around there just so we can get really into the details about how it all works. So stay with us. I hope you enjoy that when we get together. Scott, thanks for your time today. Thanks, Bill. Uh, anything to round out with um, you guys? Your phone's running hot, no doubt, but you're happy to take a call or do more meetings or all that sort of stuff? Yeah, look, always we're, we're quite upfront with wait periods and all that. And just remember we, there's a wait period not because um, there's not enough properties, but there's not enough good quality ones. So we we uh, rather push people's wait period out than uh, just take everyone on. So yeah, there's only one market. We're all playing in it, and um, yeah, it's uh, especially when it comes to commercial. It's just good to uh, to wait for the right property, and yeah, different budgets have different wait periods as well. So yeah. I think that's the other thing to get your head around. But always happy that's what scott's talking about there is strategic patience um embrace it works um inside commercial property uh phil tarrant uh, scott o'neill hope you enjoyed that we'll see you again next time until then bye-bye